we need to be okay with having the life that we want. Hey, hey, I'm Danielle Ryan, and this is Adulting 101. Being an adult is stressful, and this podcast was specifically designed to help you navigate the crazy world of adulthood. So buckle up, and let's get into the episode. I would like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the indigenous peoples of the lands that this episode is being recorded on, in particular the Chippewas of Rama and Wata Mohawk First Nations. While we meet today virtually, wherever you're listening in from in the world, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge the importance of the lands, which we call home, and wish to honor indigenous history and culture and commit to moving forward in the spirit of reconciliation and respect with all First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people. In an effort to unpack my privilege, as I have been doing for the past number of months, this is something that I felt was important to incorporate to the podcast moving forward, and will continue to do so in episodes to come. What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the podcast. Super excited to be here. Another week, another interview. But before we get into that, I do just want to have a little chit-chat about what's going on in the world right now. Now, I intend on doing a full-length episode on this topic next week. But I do just want to address the fact that here in Ontario, we have once again entered lockdown. We are, they're actually taking it one step further because the province has entered into a state of emergency once again, which essentially means that we are now under stay-at-home orders where we can't really leave our house unless we're specifically going to work, going to the grocery store, or going out to exercise, which thank God, because for a minute there, I thought they were going to tell me that I can't go for a walk and I was going to lose my mind. But anyways, that's besides the point. I have been experiencing a lot of different feelings lately, and I talked about this on my Instagram story. If you're not following me there, you probably should. But essentially, I feel like, especially in the online space, I'm definitely someone who's guilty of only really sharing like what's exciting in my life and what's going really well. And with this announcement, I've sort of been dealing with a lot of emotions of like, okay, well, what do we do now? And I was discussing this with a friend of mine last week, actually, before they even made this announcement, just this idea of like, January is going really well for me. I'm running a 14 day yoga program and it's been really well received. I've been getting lots of really great feedback and I'm gaining momentum in my business, which feels really great, but I don't really have a long-term plan for what the rest of 2021 is going to look like because I don't know what my life is going to look like. I don't know what the rules are going to be one month from now, three months from now, six months from now, I don't know what our reality will look like at that time. And it makes it really hard to set those long-term plans and long-term goals when I don't know what it is I'm working towards. And so I've been feeling a lot of different emotions like sadness and distress and stress and just not knowing the answer to anything, feeling sort of helpless, I guess. And so, like I said, I'm going to talk about this more in depth next week, but I just want you to know that if you're anyone who's experiencing those same emotions right now, going through this pandemic, trying to figure out what the heck's going on with your life, I want you to know you're not alone. We are as stupid as it is because they just say this everywhere. We're all in this together, quite honestly, and we're all suffering together. So if you ever want to chat about it, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I've been having some really great conversations over there with people who have replied to my Instagram stories and that sort of conversation, but I'm more than happy to be a listening ear if you're someone who wants to chat. So I just wanted to preface this episode with that information. However, the conversation you're about to listen to is sort of, I guess we talk a little bit about COVID, but it's just a really great opportunity for you to meet one of my internet friends. You know what else is new? Always meeting people through Instagram. But I'm so, so excited for this one. So this week I interviewed Lauren Smith, who is an event planner from Toronto, which is super exciting because 
For those of you who don't know, I'm based about two hours north of Toronto, and I really miss being able to go to the city to get away for weekends. But anyway, Lauren helps busy entrepreneurs create in-person connection with their online community so that they can strengthen their relationship. And she really is very, very experienced in the event planning space. She has over 10 years of experience working with some of Canada's largest financial institutions, which is crazy. And she actually left her corporate job to start her event planning business, Modern Collective. And with that, she's actually been dubbed the future of the events industry by Meetings and Incentive Travel Magazine, which I think is super incredible. Lauren's signature approach to planning events really just helps to put her clients at ease with every step of the process. So if you're familiar with the community Toronto Business Babes, Lauren is actually one of the incredible ladies behind that. And we briefly touch on that in the interview, but our conversation really talks about this idea of finding and creating faith in yourself to take the leap in whether that's entrepreneurship or just making some sort of change in your life and using the challenges that you face in that journey as opportunities to learn and to continue to grow. Through Lauren's journey transitioning away from corporate into entrepreneurship, she really learned the power in betting on herself and she talks a lot about what that's like and how you can start to cultivate that in your own life. So without me sitting here and divulging the entire interview before we get started, let's go ahead and just hop right into the episode. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I cannot wait to get this party started. It's so great. I'm so excited that you're here. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, what you do, kind of let them know where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously my name is Lauren. Um, I own, it's kind of funny when people ask me like what my business is, I'm like, that's a loaded question. I call us a social agency. So we are an event planning agency. We are a certified travel agency and we help business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches with their brand partnership strategy. So kind of like PR, but a little bit more involved than just basic PR. So I've been doing this my entire career. I went to school for event planning, brand management, like all of the things, graduated and got um, like a big girl job. I'm doing air quotes right now in the financial services industry, doing a lot of events, travel incentive programs. Um, And then about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I decided to take the leap and start my own agency. And here we are today. We're a team of seven, which is crazy. Um, We've got over 25 one-on-one clients that we work with and life is just like hustling and bustling, busy. That's incredible. So before we get too deep into this, I do have a quick question about what you just mentioned. So you were working in corporate and then did you start your business while you were still in your corporate job? So yes and no. Outside of like my agency business, I run a community in Toronto called Toronto Business Babes. And we are a networking community for female identifying entrepreneurs. That I started when I was working corporate, but like at the very tail end, like I want to say the last month, I started my business literally on a whim. I was working, when I left corporate, I went to work for um, another event planning agency. And it was at that point working with her that I was like, I love what I'm doing. The events is definitely where I want to end up, but I want to do it for myself. So I think I called her on like a Thursday and quit and then started my business on the Friday. No website, no backup plan, nothing. I just jumped. That is so (laughs) incredible. I really admire people who have the guts to sort of just fully trust in yourself and take that leap and sort of make that transition. So what did that kind of look like for you when you were sort of in this job, you knew what you were interested in and that you'd rather be doing something else. What was the behind the scenes that went on to be like, okay, this is something that I can do for myself and I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
honestly, I think the biggest thing for me was I really struggled the last six months or so working with this company with butting heads with the owner. And it wasn't that I like, didn't like what she was doing, or I didn't agree with it. I just had all these big ideas and all these ways to grow the business. And for me, branding is a big thing. And just like feeling really passionate about what I'm selling and what I'm working on. And I didn't have that with the company. Honestly, since I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to be my own boss. My dad was an entrepreneur and he always said to us, I don't care what you do in life. Just do it for yourself. Like if you want to be a janitor, that's great, but I want you to own a janitorial company. If you want to be a massage therapist, that's great, but like own your own massage therapy center. So that was always kind of in the back of my head. And I remember it was a specific day after a Toronto Business Babes event that I was like, I can do this. Like, this is something that I have creative control. I have creative freedom. I can do what I want to do. And I'm either going to sink or swim. And if I don't do it now, I never will. And I remember literally one day just being like, no, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. So can you relate to this feeling? I know again, in my situation, I sort of had this realization while I was driving to work one day where I was like, okay, so either this is going to be my life for the next 35 years, or I have to do something to change this situation. Is that sort of the thought process that you went through? A hundred percent. I remember at the time my life was in turmoil. I had in between all of this, I had gotten out of a very unhealthy relationship, but we were living together. We had a life together And it just, I went back to live with my parents at like 20, I think that was 20, 28. And that's not on anyone's like vision board. I'm going to live with my parents at 28. And I remember saying at the time, like, I need to use this time as an opportunity that I'm never going to get again. I am never going to literally have no rent, have no expenses, have the support of a family. And I also know I'm very privileged in the fact that not many people have that opportunity. But I remember sitting back and thinking, I need to make this happen now, or it's never going to happen because I'm going to end up getting married and having kids and a mortgage. And there's all these things that I'm not going to be able to jump in and fully build this business and put all my investments into this business. So yeah, it was like, if this doesn't happen literally this month, it won't happen. Um, So do it. And I remember jumping and hoping (laughs) that it worked. Cross your fingers, hope for the best. And I think in those situations, the important perspective to remember is also that like the worst case scenario is you're going to end back at square one and have to figure out something new, something different. And that's what I know I always told myself was like, okay, if my business doesn't work, I'll just go find another like corporate job because there's a million out there. And maybe that one won't be as terrible as the one that I'm in right now. (laughs) I don't know. So exactly, it's sort of this combination of, being willing to take the risk on yourself, but also understanding that like the risk is never as significant as we convince ourselves that it is. Like we think the whole world is going to set on fire if we like trust ourselves and go after this thing. When in reality, we're just going to end up right where we began. Yeah. I remember when I left corporate, I remember having a conversation with my mom and my dad was the entrepreneur our whole life. So he was like, go for it, like jump and do your thing. And my mom was like, Lauren, you're leaving a director level job at a bank, you're making 150 grand a year. You've got crazy benefits. What are you thinking? Like you cannot jump. And I was like, mom, if I don't jump now, I won't jump ever. And if it fails, I know I can get this job. So why can't I come back in a year or six months from now and just land the same job? Like I felt very fortunate that it wasn't hard for me to get to that, to that role. So why can't I come back and do it? And she was like, listen, I don't understand what you're doing but I believe in you and I trust you. So go like jump. But I think a lot of people have that mindset of like, why are you leaving this incredible job that is like slowly killing your soul because you're making this amazing money and you're like, you're pretty much set. And I'm like, well, that's not how this works. So 
Yeah. It's sort of this idea of, or perception, I guess that a lot of people have that if you're making a lot of money, then you should be happy. Mm -hmm. So why would you give up this like artificial happiness in pursuit of something that's so uncertain? And it's like, well, when I think about it to myself, I could be making $500,000, but if I don't like what I'm doing and I'm going to my desk every day and I use this example every time, but I felt like my brain was melting out of my head every time I sat in my cubicle, it's not worth the $500,000. Like, I don't care how much money you pay me. Yeah. My quality of life is suffering. And I think that us as millennials, especially our generation tends to value the quality of our life over maybe the number of zeros in our bank account. And I get... I'm like, I don't want anyone to perceive this as like, I believe that we can all survive on $20,000 a year and live like paycheck to paycheck. Like, no, that's not the idea. But the point is that I think that we can make money doing things that we actually enjoy versus sacrificing our happiness for that paycheck. Would you agree? Oh my gosh. hundred percent. I remember when, I mean, financial industry is like its own beast. Like it's very much like an episode of suits. And I remember I used to be obsessed I was working down on Bay street. I was like in my power suit every day. And I like my, my soul was being crushed. And I remember thinking in my early twenties, like I'll consider myself have made it. If I'm wearing that power suit and I'm in that like corner office and people respect me and I have this incredible title. And it was all these things that I had achieved, but I was still so unhappy. And I was like, it's not fulfilling me. This is not where I want my, my life to go. Where do I want my life to go? I want to travel the world. I mean, this is so cliche, like every millennial, I want to travel the world and make money and I want to like work from anywhere. And these were the fundamentals of like who I was as a person and my industry and my job. I was very fortunate that that was what I did. Like it wasn't how much I'm not explaining this properly. Like, it's not like I wanted to work on a beach and the career path I was about to choose was so far from that. It literally was the career path that as an event planner and owning a travel agency, you do work from a beach. So it just was like a very smooth transition for me. But I remember like people thinking I was crazy and it was older generations thinking you're leaving a salary. That's like most people work their entire career to hit and like you got it so early. So why would you leave it? And I was like, well, cause I'm miserable. And they're like, so like you go to work Monday to Friday and you live for the weekend. And I was like, no, (laughs) that's not the life I want. But I think a lot of millennials are scared because we have our parents and the older generation in our ears telling us stay put it's safe. It's secure. You've worked your way up there. Like, just don't, don't jump because jumping is scary and unknown. But once you see people that have done it you're like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So why not? Yeah. So how do you find that when you're in this position where you're like, okay, where I am is safe and I know what to expect. How do you find the courage or the willingness within yourself to be like, you know what, again, I've seen other people do it. I know it's possible. I'm going to take the leap too. Where does that decision sort of happen? For me, I'm very ballsy. Like I don't hold back. I believe in myself like so much and it's not from a place of ego or from being cocky, but if I'm not going to believe in myself, nobody else is. So why wouldn't I, if I'm going to bet on anyone, I'm going to bet on myself. Like I spent my entire twenties building up someone else's career making millions for another company. Like I remember vividly working on event budgets that were like half a million dollars and thinking, why the hell am I not doing this for myself? I have the skills. I know what to be, what needs to be done. What am I thinking making money for someone else who doesn't appreciate me? So I remember just thinking like, I have to try. If I don't give myself the opportunity to succeed, I'm never going to succeed. 
And it was scary. There was a lot of nights. I mean, there still are nights. I have a team of seven that I have to pay salaries for. And there's so many nights where I lay there and I'm like, oh my God, what am I thinking? I should dial back the team. I should take on less clients. The stress isn't worth it. But at the end of the day, I'm so fulfilled and I am so passionate about what I'm doing that it makes all of those limiting beliefs go away. I also have an incredible support system. Like I don't take for granted any day that my support system is unmatched. They are some of the best in the world. And that's not because they like came to me, if that makes any sense. Like my family's supportive, my family, they are entrepreneurs, so they get it, but it's the support system that I created for myself. Like my college and high school friends are still some of my best friends, but they're not my business friends. They're not who I go to if I need my mindset to be like whipped into shape. Or if I have a question about email funnels, like you have to create this support system around you. That's going to get you through the hard days because there are going to be more hard days than there are not when you launch your own business. Let's just play pretend here and say that I've never owned a business. I'm not familiar with the online space. Like sure. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. How do I go about seeking out those people and finding and creating that sense of community? For sure. So with Toronto Business Babes, we were launching this at the same time that I was launching my business. So it kind of went hand in hand. Before I launched my own business, I didn't know what Instagram really like was. I would post like a vacation photo. I didn't realize it was a business tool. And I remember coming on social media and seeing all the coaches that were very salesy and very pushy. And like, you can make a hundred grand a month if you just follow this process. And I was like, ew, I don't want any of that. I don't want that stress in my life. Like I don't want that for myself. So I made a very, very important decision to follow coaches and follow entrepreneurs and people that I wanted my life to look like. So I have my coach who I followed, actually, I want to say like eight months before I actually started my business. I downloaded her free guides. I engaged with her in the DMs. I like, she was starred. I had notifications for when she would post because I really wanted to digest her content and it felt right. I felt like not by necessarily working with her, but she gave me the mindset that I could make. 10k a month if I really wanted to and it didn't need to be this like icky pushy sales experience it felt really organic and authentic so I think the number one thing I would say is like figure out who you want to show up as an entrepreneur do you want to be that pushy salesperson who's flashing their 100k months on Instagram if you do that's great that's just not who I want to be or who I want to surround myself with so making sure you're very clear on like the type of people you want in your life and then just like I know it sounds really weird but like find them on Instagram I followed this coach and she is now like my one-on-one coach, one of my biz besties, like she's incredible. But in the people that she was engaging with, I knew they would be similar people to the ones that I want in my circle. So you start to like find your circle that way. There was also tons of entrepreneurs and coaches that I was like, yes, I want you like your vibe in my life. And then a month into it, I was like, oh God, no, like you were asking me like what my sales goal is next month in the DMs. And that's just like not what I want. So it is trial and error, but going into it, absolutely knowing who you are and what you want your life to look like. Like I'm much more holistic than I am like salesy. Like I don't push sales. I actually hate talking about sales. I will never, you will never see me claim how much money I've made per month because I just don't think there's a place for it. But some coaches will talk about their hundred K months and that's, that works for them, but that's just not the, the community that I want in my circle. 
Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I think that especially in like the coaching industry, there's sort of this idea that, oh, well, you have a bad money mindset if you don't want to talk about money. And for me, my perspective has always been like, what's in my bank account is really nobody's business, but it also doesn't validate whether or not the work that I'm doing matters, whether I'm charging someone a thousand dollars to do it or a hundred dollars to do it. If I'm making an impact in that person's life, to me, that's what's most important. But that's just sort of a side note, something that has like, I've been thinking about that a lot recently and just like the whole coaching industry as a whole itself. And I'm really glad that you said that because I totally agree a hundred percent. And I know for me building community, when I first started my business, it pretty much all happened online. And it was much like you said, like finding people through Instagram, finding people through Facebook groups and just having genuine conversations with people because there is also this sort of like part of the internet where people are just cold messaging people being like, Hey, I have an opportunity for you. Like, do you want to hire me? Or do you want to come join my MLM? Or do you want to do this? And it's just like, I don't know you. So why would I trust you if we've never had a conversation? And you have to treat it like you would anyone on the street. You're not just going to walk up to someone and be like, Hey, I have a business, a business like buy from me. You would meet that person say, Hey, my name's Lauren. This is what I do. And get to know that person as a real individual. I think treating people like humans is huge. And with Instagram specifically, I always love using like the voice note feature because I feel like it really adds that personal element. If I'm approaching someone who I've never talked to before. 100%. I always laugh (laughs) and I'll, I'll call them out on it too. When I get a DM from a coach and they're like, Hey babe, I love your content so much. I'm just curious. Like, what are your income goals for this year? And I was like, I always respond. I keep my income goals between myself and my coach. You don't need to know my income goals. Nobody needs to know my income goals. Like, yes, it's on my vision board. Yes. It's like plaster all over my office, but I don't have this like new year, new me resolution to make $500,000 this year. Like that is just so irrelevant. And I care so much more about creating impact and actually supporting women and anyone in business that it, like, the dollars don't matter. And I think we get so wrapped up in having these six figure months. And it's because people are posting about it and they're saying, I can help you get there and I can help you hit these sales goals. And it's like, sure you can, but I don't really care that you're promoting that on Instagram. And it's so funny you said MLM, because I think the coaching industry is very quickly turning into an MLM model. I'm not knocking MLM companies. Like a lot of my friends are in them, but the sales tactics and techniques that they're taught are just so wrong. Like, don't pop into my DMs telling you you love my feed and you want to sell me your new shampoo. Like, no, if I want to buy the brand of shampoo, I'm going to buy it from someone that I trust, that I know it works on, and I know is going to have my best interest at heart, and I'm not just another sale to them. And the same thing goes for coaches. Like, I have coaches in my community that I have literally, and I know they're warming me up. I'm not stupid. It's been a year, and they are trying to get me to buy their product but that's fine. It's been a year. I trust you. I know that your content is real. I know that you're not just like bullshitting me, but if you're landing in my DMS, if I just saw that you followed me and you've already sent me a message, just, I will remove you as a follower. Get out of here. Like I'm not interested. It's just not a technique that I will ever, ever be okay with. And I think we need more people to have that backbone of like, how about you, how about you not do that? Like don't slide into my DMS and just don't go there. And I think more people are getting vocal about it now, which I'm here for. I'm like literally popcorn, like watching Instagram being like, who's going to get called out today? And not not because I agree with cancel culture, but I just don't think that type of sales strategy is, is a good strategy. Like they're going to like prey on the vulnerable people who are going to pay them the big money, not get the results. And then think that the whole coaching industry is, is that corrupt. So 
long-winded way of saying like get it together people (laughs) yeah and it makes it really hard for people who are genuinely motivated by the impact versus just hitting that whatever hundred thousand dollar marker it makes it really hard because then the people who aren't familiar with the industry can't navigate that. So they're just going to fall into whoever falls into their DMS first and think that that's the solution to their problem. Right. So I'm going to say like when I hire a coach and I do have a coach and if I ever, ever saw her posting, I made six figures this month or whatever, I would be like, I would feel dirty as like the person who's paying her. I'd be like, Oh, so you don't value my investment in you. You just look at me as a sales figure. And I never want my clients to feel that way. We are a very successful business. We, we have done really well for ourselves, but I will never talk about numbers because I don't want a client that is giving me their hard-earned money. They're trusting me. They are putting this faith in me to ever look at me and think, oh my God, she just thinks I'm a number. That's so just- how do you create that container for people to feel valued and to not feel like, oh, well, I'm Lauren's 10th client this month. Like, woo, woo, woo. She was just trying to hit that whatever goal that she had written on her vision board. Yeah. I just don't talk about it. Like I don't ever share, like what I will share is guys, we have room for four more clients this month or in some of my like sharing of success stories, I will say like our strategy works because we have 20 one-on-one clients that we're doing it for. Like that stuff I will share because it's validating it. I mean, it's my story. It's what's actually working for the business, but I will never, ever say like, we had a goal to hit hundred K this month and we hit it because that's not going to make my clients feel good. It's not going to, to make them feel like this rock star. I also very rarely actually share who my clients are unless they've tagged me, unless it's like an open relationship. My client base is very private because I want them to feel like they're working with me because I'm good at what I do and I, I respect them and not because I want the vanity metrics of who my client is posted on social media. Whereas I know a lot of coaches do. They're like, oh my God, I'm going to take all my like clients that have large Instagrams. I'm going to take them like, no, I mean, I do, but only if they take me and if they've made it known that they're working with me. Yeah. And again, I operate on a very similar principle and I've always wondered that not just in coaching, but like anyone who owns a business that operates in the online space. When I see people being like, oh, I'm working with at, 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 and saying like all of the people they have calls with that day or meeting with that day. And I'm like, did you clear it with all of those people? Because I'm always very cautious to tag any of my clients because I want to maintain that confidentiality. Unless like you said, they tag me in a story, then I pretty much always repost it because I want to make sure that they're like gaining the exposure that they want, but I don't want to be the one to be like, yep, this person's like my brand new private yoga client. Here's a picture of us doing yoga together. Like I never want to make anyone feel uncomfortable or like you said before that I'm just leveraging our relationship to get the next client moving forward. And I'll do the same. Like I post, people love when I post my like checklist of the day And I will post and tag clients, but what people don't see is most of the time there's like two or three clients that just aren't tagged because they haven't initiated it. A lot of the times I wait for my client to like either do the same to me. And then I'm like, okay, it's okay that we're making this a public relationship. But a lot of the time I'm not putting my clients and you'll see, I'll post like five or six clients, but that's because they've posted me first. Um, But I think it's so important to keep that, like not secrecy, but that level of respect of things quiet Um, It doesn't all need to be blasted on social media. And I see coaches do it all the time. And I'm just like, ugh, it's annoying. (laughs) That's like a really good word of advice for anyone who's starting any sort of business or any sort of thing in the online space is to be mindful of 
just because you're okay putting yourself out there and saying like, Hey, I'm Danielle, I'm doing this thing. I'm starting this business. It doesn't mean that everyone wants to be like publicly along the ride with you. Sure. You'll have people that want to support you, but not everyone wants it to be blasted that like Lauren just bought this shirt from my online store and Lauren did this for me. And it's like, Lauren didn't sign up to be in your business. Danielle did. So you need to be mindful of that moving forward that it's awesome if people want to support you and they want to tag you and you want to share it, but you don't get to make that decision for people, I guess, is my advice for you. If you're listening. hundred percent, it has to be, let them initiate it 100% of the time for sure. Cool. Okay. So let's just take it back a little bit about how long have you been operating now for about a year and a half. Awesome. And what does that journey looked like in terms of like, obviously I'm going to assume that you didn't just, maybe you did, you can tell me if I'm wrong, start your business. And then all of a sudden it just like took off and never stopped. Was that the trajectory or have you faced certain challenges along the way in creating your successful business? Okay. It's so funny you say this because one of my first months in business was one of my most profitable. And I genuinely think it was just because of the excitement. I was like, oh my God, I started my own business. Like everybody like wanted to work with me also because I had been doing this in my life. Like I've I've been an event planner my entire career and people had been asking me the second you start your own business, I'm going to hire you. Like, I cannot wait to work with you. So I think a part of it was this like very exciting, oh my God, she did it. I'm going to work with her. So the first six months were incredible. I had people wanting to work with me. I was making like my highest income months, like the first couple of months. And then after that, I um, had my lowest six months in business. And I remember being like, this is crap. (laughs) Like, this is not going to be fun. Also, COVID happened literally like less than a year into my business in an event and travel space. And I was just like this, I'm, I'm done. Like my business is done. And then it took me about four to six months to like sit back and think like, what, how am I going to grow this? this business. And it definitely was not a instant success. Like it took me, there was a couple months where I paid my team more than I paid myself, probably more months than not in the first year of business, because it just wasn't, we weren't making the income, but I knew I needed a team to get me there. So it it took time. It was not one of those like instant overnight successes. I think going forward from here, it's all about strategy and it's all about like planning things out and being clear on things investing in your business is like the number one thing that you can do. And it takes time, like 100%. I invested more money in my first year than I probably ever will. And that's just how my business is going to be successful. And I think that it's important to be open and have these open conversations about that, because a lot of the times, especially in the online space, this picture can be painted that you start your business, you hit that 5k, 10k month, and then it's smooth sailing from there. And we're just raking in the dollar bills for the rest of our lives. And essentially that's not the reality, especially if you are new to owning a business to entrepreneurship and you don't understand the strategy that goes into maintaining long-term success. Because I honestly think that anyone can start a business and make a lot of money initially. But if you don't have the systems in place to carry on that success, it's not likely going to continue to happen over and over and over again. Absolutely. I agree. I think the, the big thing to, to look at with owning a business is it's such a long, long game. And this whole misconception that you can work three hours a day and work from the beach in Bali and be sipping margaritas. Like, come on, can we stop that false accusation of like, that's actually what being an entrepreneur looks like? 
because it's not. It's 99% of the time I am working till 10 o'clock at night in my sweats. I haven't washed my hair in a couple of days. I'm dealing with like upset clients and overworked team members and just my, I'm like constantly stressed about money. I did, I did not know that when you were an entrepreneur, you would be constantly stressed about like the, your finances and not because we're not making enough, but where do I invest my money in my business this month? And oh my God, I have so many team members. Did I pay that invoice? Like there's just so much to think about. And I think we need to talk more about the realness and the tears and like the nights when you're literally like, what am I doing? This is not, this is not what I thought entrepreneurship would look like. But on the flip side, when you are on that beach in Bali, you're like, this is all worth it. I remember we started 2020 off in on a retreat in Bali with one of my clients. And it was like the retreat of all retreats, like private chef, private villa, just like living large. And I remember being like, this is the type of client I always want to work with. And that's just not realistic. Like that's not how the world works. And we need to stop glamorizing that 5% and start focusing more on the 95% of hard work, like pain, tears, and just like shit that goes into building a business because it's, it's hard. It's not, if I could do it again, I would, but I would do it differently for sure. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I agree that it's taken me a long time to get to where I am. And there's a lot of things that I know now that would make it a lot more efficient to start over. But I also don't regret any of the journey that's gotten me to where I am now, because I feel like through those challenges, you do learn a lot. And COVID, regardless of what your business is, I think COVID had a huge impact on pretty much every single business in terms of how they function, how they offer their services. And so it's really exciting to see as a business owner, what's going to come of this as the world maybe one day moves back to, you know, it's normal, normal self where we can do the things we want to do. But coming back to this idea about sort of the illusion that's created of we all want to work from our laptops on the beach and blah, 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 blah. I think it's okay. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and you want, you know, to be an entrepreneur or to build your own thing, to not want that lifestyle, because that's the other thing that I think isn't talked about enough is that some people want to run a business, but then they also just want like a regular life where they own a house and have a yard and, you know, are married with children or whatever that looks like and settle down and have the stability from their entrepreneurial income. Like it's okay to also not want this like jet setter lifestyle where I'm living in 700 different countries every day. Like obviously there's not 700 countries in the world. I'm not stupid, but you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So I, I love that you touched on this because I actually have a couple people on Instagram that are muted because they are constantly pushing. Like I just bought this new designer bag and I'm driving my like $150,000 car and I'm hustling and I'm doing this life. And it, that stresses me out. I'm like, Oh, Oh my God. <laughs> like I cannot imagine like more stuff means more stress, like more money, more problems. It's 100% a thing. And it actually took me a lot of time this year to sit back and say, what do I actually want from life? If I could build my business to sustain the life I want, what do I want that life to look like? And I do want to settle down. I do want a family. I do want to own property and a beautiful house. I want, I want all that. I don't want to be gone all the time. I spent my twenties traveling the world for work and it was beautiful and it was a great thing, but it also was not, and is not where I want to see my life going. And I think living in this digital age, there is so much comparison and there's so much like you have to do this. And if, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be a nomad and you have to be like traveling the world. And I just, I don't think that that needs to happen. We need to be okay with 
having the life that we want. And we want to build a business to sustain that life. And I actually was talking to a friend the other day and she's like, I actually don't really care to make six figures. I'm really happy just making my, the income I make right now. Uh, She owns her own business and she's very much just like, I'm okay with this. Like, this is the life I want. I want to go on my one vacation a year. I want to have my one and a half children. Like this, like this steady life of not being this elaborate plan. And I think that that needs to be more normalized that that's, that's totally cool. And that's badass. Like if you want to live in a small town in Ontario and re renovate an old century home, that's beautiful as beautiful as traveling to Rome for six weeks. Like it's just this comparison game needs to stop. And I'm here for the, the life that, that you want to create. That's great. So what kind of advice would you offer to other millennials who say, want to figure out what that looks like for them? So they're sitting in their office job. They're thinking like, this isn't working. I want to create something else, but what is it that's actually going to make me happy? If, if I were starting at square one, how would I go about sort of creating that vision? Mm -hmm. I think we don't often enough ask ourselves, like, what would make me happy? And I, I hear it from my friends all the time where they're like talking about the stress from their family and the stress from their job. And like, they, this person needs them to do this. They need to walk the dog. And I'm like, okay, in this moment, what do you need? what is going to make you happy? And it took a lot of journaling and a lot of self-reflection for me to realize, like, I do want nice things in life. I do want this like amazing lifestyle, but I don't want the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. And I think take a step off of Instagram, delete the app from your phone for a week and just journal it out. Like, what are the things that are important to you? Is it a, a designer bag? Like I totally have a designer bag on my vision board, but I just want one. I just want to be able to say like, I bought myself this nice thing. But then the next thing on that vision board is property and a house. And if I played the comparison game, a lot of the people that I used to follow, cause I cleaned up my Instagram lived in the penthouse condo in Toronto. They drove the Audis, they drove the BMWs. They had like 10 designer bags, designer shoes. And that just gave me anxiety and start to like, listen to the way that your body reacts to the things that you're consuming. So if you are on Instagram and you constantly come across this one person that you see in your community and you just get jealous and anxious and you don't feel good about their content, that's not something that you're looking for in life. Your body is literally telling you through this anxiety, this is not what I want. But instead, if I'm following someone who is on like a holistic healing journey and they are doing yoga and taking care of their body and I'm like constantly waiting for their content to come up, I know I'm drawn towards that. So just really listening to yourself, journaling it out and being super unapologetic about what makes you tick and what makes you happy. What makes me happy is not what makes my best friend happy. And that's totally okay. But it took me up until recently to understand that that's actually allowed. And it doesn't need to be this like big, big drama thing. It's just, no, this is the life I want to live and I'm unapologetically going to do it. Yeah. And it's so, so important to understand that it is okay to mute those Instagram accounts, to unfollow those people that trigger you and to understand that just because on paper, or maybe under the traditional definition of the word success, those people that have all these really nice things are quote unquote successful. If you don't value that same version of success, it's okay to not want to seek that out. And I did the exact same thing a couple months ago. I went through and just unfollowed probably like a hundred Instagram accounts of 
entrepreneurs, coaches, people who I used to think were inspiring. And now just like, I totally do not resonate with anymore. And again, cause that sort of anxiety, that feeling of like, am I doing enough? Is the path that I'm on the right one and make me sort of question what I know to be true for myself. So, and actually I would recommend that you take the time to go and just scroll through your following list and unfollow people that cause you to feel that way because it's honestly not worth it. I always admire the people who have like large Instagram accounts and then they're following like one person. (laughs) I find that so funny, but it's so, so important because like we can waste so much time just Mm -hmm. scrolling aimlessly through our phone, wanting this life that like really, if we think about it and we journal about it, like we don't actually want that life at all, but we like fool ourselves into thinking we do. Yeah. And can we normalize changing our mind? Like I remember again, growing up, I, I said growing up, I mean like college to now, like in a lot, in my twenties, I remember working in the financial industry. Like I said, like I wanted that suit. I wanted my husband to be a lawyer, a doctor, like in the financial industry. I wanted this big life. Like I, when I say big life, I mean like suits. I wanted to live in an episode of suits. I'm not even going to lie. It is kind of what I had always been working towards. And then in the last, like honestly, since I became a business owner and like actually started to follow those dreams, I very quickly realized that that actually wasn't the dream that I wanted. So if I were to run into anyone I knew two years ago, they would be like, huh? Like you're, the, you're a different person. And I think that that we need to normalize that. We need to normalize understanding and following what we want. And it can change day to day. I know in six months, a year from now, I will not be the same person I am today. And I thank God for that, because I think that that is something that we need to focus on is evolving and changing and growing and following that and no longer trying to stay in this like unhappy, unsettling place that we were in for so long. I'm very passionate about that topic because I literally am not the same person I was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And just normalizing again, the idea that it's okay to change your mind. Like maybe you even think something, maybe you are in a corporate job. You decide to quit your corporate job, start a business because you think entrepreneurship is the thing, but then you find a corporate job five years down the road, two years down the road. That's actually interesting to you. And you want to go back to the nine to five. Like that's okay too. You don't just pick one thing and have to stick to it for the rest of your life. And that's the fun part about life. And something I always talk about is that I think we all need to start treating our lives a little bit more like an experiment almost where we like try things for a bit, see if we're into it. No, we're not. Okay. I'll try this other thing and not judge other people for doing that because we're all on our own journeys. Nobody knows what the heck they want or what they're doing. We're all just making it up as we go. And it's important for us to sort of like cheer on those people who are brave enough to go and start creating these things or just experimenting with all these different, like the world is just a endless pit of possibility. And it blows my mind to think that there's this pressure that we have to make one decision and stick with it for the rest of our lives. Cause that just seems like so absurd to me. That stresses me out. Like mm. genuinely, I remember, I, I don't know if you were the same, but when I was in high school, I had a long-term boyfriend. Like I think we dated from like, the time I was 15 until I was 22. And I remember thinking, if I don't have kids by the time I'm 25, I'm doing life wrong. I need like a boy and a girl and a house with a white picket fence by the time I'm 25. And then I remember hitting 25 and being like, oh, I can barely take care of myself. There is no way that I can have this life. And listen, there's tons of people that I have friends that had that. And that is beautiful. And they were killing it. And they're so happy. That just wasn't the plan for me. And I remember again at 25, I was like, by 30, I need to own two investment properties. And I need to have like my husband and my 1.5 kids and like all this crap that I told myself. I hit 30 this summer and I have never been happier with life just happening. 
Like it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to realize that the things you wanted when you were younger actually aren't the things that are going to make you happy now. I still want kids. Yes. I still want to settle down and have a husband. I want all that stuff. Actually, I don't even care about getting married. Like that's a whole other conversation, but (laughs) it's going to happen on my own terms. And I'm okay with no longer being like, it needs to happen in six months from now. And it's actually my mom that sat me down one day and she's like, stop putting timelines on yourself because you keep disappointing yourself because that's not how life works. And I was like, but it needs to work that way. I have had these timelines my entire life. And she's like, you need to get over yourself and realize life is going to happen when it happens for you. And I was like, oh, you're right. And it's just true. It's so true. Yeah. I was just talking on the podcast last week, actually about the idea of lowering the bar for ourselves and understanding that I feel like we live in a society where we're also goal-driven where we're like, okay, I have to set these big lofty goals. And if I don't achieve them, then like my world is over and I'm a failure. Whereas if we can learn to sort of take a step back and lower that bar for ourselves and understand that it's okay to just like set one or two small goals that are actually attainable so that we can start to slowly move towards what it is we want. Because again, what we want is always changing. So if we set ourselves this big structure of like, I have to create this massive empire, for example, but then we get halfway there and we realize like, nah, actually I'm going to take it in a different direction. We're setting ourselves up for disappointment because we didn't create this thing we said we were going to. Whereas if we can sort of scale that back and be like, okay, what is one thing I want to create right now? That'll get me maybe two steps ahead. And then we can do that. We can sort of reevaluate from that position and pivot in the direction that's actually appealing to us. It's sort of like creating stepping stones versus like having to have the whole picture laid out for us because life is so unpredictable. And again, coronavirus was a prime example of how like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. So if you can just focus on like what's working right now and take that one step further, that's going to be a lot more beneficial in the long run. I think hundred percent. I remember like even looking at my vision board, it's on my computer background. It's like, I always see it and looking at it scares me. I'm like, there is a property, there is a new car, there is a designer bag, there is a trip. Like there's just so much on that vision board that it terrifies me. So if I sit here and think I need to accomplish that by tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Hell no, no chance is that going to happen. But if I look at my monthly, and this is actually something my coach has 100% helped me with is set yourself monthly goals in your business. Like right now we're onboarding new team members. We have a ton going on in my business. I need to just focus on that for January and that needs to be okay. And then starting in February, I can start to look at the fun things. And I think this misconception of like, you need to make this big vision board come to life by January 31st. Otherwise your year is a failure is just like, it's setting us all up for anxiety and depression and not hitting these goals. Whereas if we just take it one step at a time and we realize the things we're doing now will get us there eventually. We just need to like relax and calm down. A hundred percent. I totally agree. All right. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on here, for having this conversation with me. I think that not enough people are talking about this idea that we don't all have to want this like big picture lifestyle and that it's okay to think we want that and then change our minds later on. Definitely just normalizing, like living a normal life and being successful under whatever terms you decide to define for yourself. Because I think that there's no one clear definition of success and it's important for people to sort of recognize that and ask themselves like, what would make me happy and what do I define my version of success as? Yeah, 100%. My success is going to look different than your success. And I think that's such a cool thing. I think it doesn't need to look the same and it shouldn't actually look the same because the world's made up of all these different people and we just need to like figure out what makes our soul happy. For sure. So where on the internet can people find you, Lauren? 
they can find me at modern at modern collective with an underscore on Instagram. And that will kind of like take you to all of the other projects that we're working on. So that's like our hub. So awesome. So I'll link that below in the description for anyone who is looking. So you can be sure to find her and follow her there. I just want to thank you again so much for coming on here. I'm so excited for the audience to hear this interview and I appreciate you giving me your time to come on and share your message. Of course. This was so much fun. I can't, I can't wait to hear it come live. I do just want to take this time again to thank you so much for listening to this episode and send thanks to Lauren for coming on and sharing her perspective, her story. And I hope that this episode serves as a little bit of inspiration to you wherever you're at in your journey. Moving forward, I do want to focus on incorporating guests that talk about real life topics too, because I realize that not everyone who listens to this podcast is an entrepreneur. And I think for a while there, I sort of got sucked into this vortex where my focus is just entrepreneurship because that's something I'm really passionate about. And I'm sure that some of you or many of you love to listen to that as well. But I do think that 2020, 2021, this whole pandemic situation is really just opening my perspective to real life challenges that a lot of people are struggling with. And I want to bring in experts to talk about those. So if you have any requests or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. And as always, if you're listening, be sure to screenshot this, tag me, and let's chat over there, okay? Until next week, keep it real. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you get notified when new episodes go live. Make sure to rate and review this podcast and be sure to share it with your friends. I'll talk with you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Love you so much.